Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,451. It doesn't matter if you haven't done something before. What matters is that you give it a try. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in just south of me here. He's calling in from Portland, Oregon, Jason Peters. Jason, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right, here we go. Jason Peters is the founder and owner of Mid-Century Motors and Restoration, where he does paint correction and protection, complete interior and exterior detailing, interiors and upholstery work, vinyl tops, and routine maintenance. He purchased his first collectible car at age 22. It was a 1969 Ford Galaxy 500. And after a brief career in HR, Jason discovered McPherson College and was accepted to their restoration school. While learning his trade, he got involved in their on-campus car club, Cars. While in school, he acquired his dream car, a 1958 Edsel. And after graduating, he went to work at SMS Auto Fabrics. And after two years, decided to hang up his own shingle and he opened his own company with an emphasis on cars from the 40s through the 70s. Jason, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more before I jump into the questions about your business and your passion for old automobiles? Sure. You know, I've always been into cars. I've been into cars since I was a small child. You know, I really can't even pinpoint when that happened for me. And just always had a passion and an interest for for cars and you know life sort of happens you get going in other directions you you know don't think that 
that a career in and something restoration or even you know even classic car automotive related is is even a, a possibility and so I continued through different different pathways working in positions of leadership working in NHR and while I really loved those aspects and some of the relational aspects of of working in those fields they're just kept being sort of a tug for doing something classic car related and just by chance uh, happened to come across McPherson College and um, took me a couple of years to kind of figure out if that was uh, something I could sort of make a reality just as being an an older non-traditional student having been out of the classroom setting for eight to ten years um, you know I had to really scratch my head and decide if if I really wanted to even go back to being a student even though the drive to sort of get a bachelor's degree had always been something on my radar. Wasn't really sure if the timing was right, but it just worked out. And uh, so went to McPherson College. I was there for about three years, got my bachelor's in automotive restoration technology with an emphasis in business, knowing that ultimately I wanted to have a small business, uh, even if that sort of made me a little crazy. So, you know, after graduating, we moved out to Portland, Oregon, and I started working at SMS. After about a year and a half, I decided that I was ready to maybe sort of leave SMS and and uh, work on starting my own business. So, And you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did. And that's yeah. where Mid-Century Motors and Restoration came from. Very so. cool. Well, McPherson, I've had a lot of uh, people on the show here from McPherson. Uh, Amanda Gutierrez, who's uh, yeah. become a good friend, and uh-huh. students who've been there, um, even a student who was in his late 40s, 50s, and decided to completely change his career path and do something completely new. So it's great what they offer uh, to let people fulfill their dreams. So we're going to talk more about all these things that you're doing. But first, I want to ask you about a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Jason, grab the wheel. Um, this comes recently. Um, a friend of mine, Dale Wickle, he works at LeMay America's Car Museum where I did an internship at and he and I talked recently uh, by phone and I really liked it because I felt like it really applied to me and sort of a reminder for me. It doesn't matter if you haven't done something before. What matters is that you give it a try. That's something that I feel like I have to sort of just remind myself, you know, each and every day. It's a wonderful saying, you know, uh, LeMay is just about 15 minutes south of my house. Yeah. My son did an internship there when he was in high school. Uh, Renee Christie worked with her yeah. uh, and Mark there, uh, some great people down there. And, and they've got their a new CEO now, which is a past guest of ours, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, a woman in charge, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and I think it's super. But, you know, give it a try is a is an important thing. And so many people... Don't do that. You hear this comment a lot. When people have are on their deathbed at the end of their life, uh, they never say, um, I'm glad I didn't try that. <laughs> they usually no, say, they I wish I had. Uh, so I always say that to people. Yeah, if you get an opportunity to do something, take it no matter what. Uh, traveling, trying something new, uh, experimenting with something, uh, as long as it's legal, of course, and it doesn't harm you or other people. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Give it a shot because you just never know what, uh, where it might lead you. I mean, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Well, you touched on this a little bit when uh, we opened the show here about a story that instigated this passion you have for cars. Uh, Can you recall a pivotal moment when you knew you were indeed going to be a car guy? 
I really can't. Um, you know, I just, even as far back as I can remember, loved cars. I still remember being about probably five or so and, and helping my dad wash my mom's 75 Malibu. And, and I still have this vision of me holding the sponge and just being mesmerized by the chrome. And my mom's told me stories of, of when I was a, a, an infant. I would just cry and cry and she could never figure out a way to get me to, to quiet down. And, you know, I'd be just up in the middle of the night bawling. And, you know, one night her and my dad decided to put me in the back seat and take me for, for a little drive. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I just instantly fell asleep and just loved it. And, and so I sort of feel like that was my pivotal moment of just knowing that, that I just had a huge interest in cars and didn't even necessarily matter if they were classic cars or new cars just always thought that it was something that was very special. Yeah. yeah that's an old uh, parent trick is take your child for a drive in the middle of the night. When uh, we had our first child, uh, she was having trouble sleeping. I was trying to give my wife a break. And I remember doing this. I went out in the garage and I thought, okay, maybe if I put her in the car seat in the car and pretend like we're going to go for a drive, she'll fall asleep. Well, she was too smart for that, even at one year old. <laughs> But I put her on top of the dryer and I put some clothes in the dryer and turned the dryer on and she fell asleep. So I ended up spending the next two hours detailing my car at two or three in the morning while, <laughs> while she sat on top of the dryer in her kid seat. Oh, and that, great. you know, that vibration, that move kind of lulled yeah. her to sleep. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's pretty funny. Brought back a good memory there. Uh, at the time it wasn't so much fun, but, uh, <laughs> now, now I can no, laugh. I can't imagine it was, <laughs> especially since I just, uh, just last weekend, gave my daughter away uh, for her marriage. So, uh, yeah, time flies by. Uh, time is the enemy. Enjoy it. Let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Talk about a big challenge or a big failure you've faced along the way. Now, being a business owner, entrepreneurs, oh, my gosh, it's fraught with ups and downs. So uh, I'm sure there's something you can pull out of your hat here. Share it with us. But more importantly, what was the lesson learned so that you can move forward in a positive way? You know, for me, I think it was sort of feeling a little bit of a failure. Um, you know, I graduated from McPherson in 2017, went to go work for SMS, really loved it, thought it was a great opportunity, really learned a lot, made a lot of great connections in the in the hobby. You know, they're one of the go-to sources for new old stock and reproduction fabrics and materials for classic cars. You know, after after about a year or so, I really found that I had sort of a hard time separating the version of me that wanted to be an enthusiast and a hobbyist and go to shows and the other part of me that working for such a visible company like SMS found that sometimes I would have encounters with with people that either had frustrations or or you know wanting to know status of things and you know really found it very difficult to sort of keep my toes in both waters are you and talking so about left, that, that difference between a career and a hobby? Is that that was a your... little bit, a yeah. little bit. I think it was because um, I was very visible at SMS, and so when I would run into people or I would say, you know, oh, I work at SMS, you know, sometimes I'd get a little beaten up for that. And I wanted to to remain in the hobby, and I wanted to go to shows, and I wanted to take my car to events. But I wanted to sort of be anonymous, and I just found that I couldn't do that being at SMS because as soon as I said that that's where I worked, it would sort of pull me out of being there to attend the show and be there as a representative of where I worked. 
if that makes sense. And so when I, I left, I sort of felt a little bit like, you know, my first job and sort of my dream job um, outside of McPherson really, I kind of for a little bit felt like that sort of fell apart. And I really wanted to obviously stay in the industry, but I wanted to do it in a way where I could still be provide a professional service, but also be able to do it as someone taking their car to an event and enjoying it. And, you know, starting a business had been uh, something I wanted to do. It had been something I wanted to do for a long time. And and it's actually turned out really well because I feel like I can go to an event, bring my car and enjoy it as a spectator, but also have conversations with people and, and present what I do and and talk to people and make connections and you know, sometimes business comes from that. And um, so it's been a really good, healthy way of being able to still feel connected, both as a profession and as a as a hobbyist. It sort of was a, a perfect way of intertwining those uh, in a way that SMS just didn't, I didn't feel like I could, could do that. Well, it's a delicate balance sometimes uh, between those two things. And uh, it can be a challenge sometimes, or it can be a blessing. It just depends on maybe how you approach it, but also uh, how pe- how you react to people, maybe, and the kind of things they're doing. So, yeah, there's a there is a balance there. Let's talk about your first really special car. I mentioned in the introduction here. I think you landed that first special car, that '58 Etzel. Is that the car you uh-huh. want to talk about? It is. It is. I purchased that car sight unseen. Uh, a very good friend of mine and one of my first sort of Edsel buddies that I had met through social media in the Salt Lake City area knew of the car and he'd known of the car for a really long time and had mentioned that it was for sale. And at the time, I still had my Galaxy and, and this was pre-McPherson. And so I called about it and the older gentleman that answered the phone, he and I had a good probably 45-minute conversation about it and he had purchased it for his wife and it just never never really progressed much more than that. So I, you know, we continued through the conversation and I I asked how much he was interested in selling the car for and the price was just ridiculously low <laughs> and um before I could even stop the words from coming out of my mouth, I just said, "Oh, I'll take it," you know. And never even really had a second to to give to think about it. So, you know, and the car came back to Kansas City. And then when I started McPherson, it traveled out there with me and uh, became one of the first times that I really dug into wrenching on a car. The Galaxy was my first classic car, but I sort of jokingly say that I had restored it by check. And the, the Edsel was really the first car that I dove into taking apart with hopes of sort of bringing it back. It's a very solid car. And so because of the connection with the dear friend of mine, it's just, you know, and Edsel's have been a favorite car of mine since the time I was first plopped down to watch American Graffiti. So to finally have one just was a very, very special scenario for me just from the get-go. So, What do you like about the Edsel? Because the Edsel was one of those love-hate cars when it came out. You know, people either they go, what the heck happened there? Or, wow, that's really, really cool. What is it about you like say that all over again? What is it about the Edsel? See, I'm all tongue twisted over just thinking about that car. <laughs> uh, what is it about the Edsel that you like so much? I think they're super unusual. Um, they were very advanced for their time. Some of the first technologies they had were self-adjusting brakes. 
they had a, a speed warning system that was sort of pre-cruise uh, control. The styling, certainly. You know, you can go to a show and you can look at, at Mustangs and Camaros and Challengers and, you know, walk by rows and rows of them. But to me, cars that you just don't see at shows are very special and very unique. And the Edsel was just one of those cars that stood out for me when watching that movie. And I looked at it and I said, wow, what is that car with the vertical grille? That is just so different. I started kind of doing more research and kind of looking at them more and finding out more about the history. And and there's really a fascinating story that that to me makes for almost as good of a read as something along the lines of the Preston Tucker story. Just a very interesting how everything unfolded and then so quickly collapsed. There's a lot of backstory that as I dug and, and talked to people about became very fascinating. So it sort of even swelled beyond just the looks of the car. They're a car that's just, it screams 1950s without necessarily being a 59 Cadillac or 57 Plymouth Fury or a Tri-5 Chevy. And that was just, to me, one of the, the best things about that car. Well, when you were talking about that, the first car that came to mind was the Tucker to me. Uh, because of something that was so different, innovative, uh, challenged uh, your mind. And of course, as the day we're recording this, uh, today is November 22nd. And last night, Elon Musk launched his new truck. And, uh, you know, talk about something that's polarizing and people are like, what on earth are you thinking, Elon? Uh, you know, you never know. I mean, we'll see where it goes. I'm sure for, after looking at my Facebook feed this morning, there's so many people think it's crazy and nutty and ugly and whatever, but we'll see what happens down the road, I guess, is the answer to that. Will this e-truck become the Etzel or the Tucker, or will that be the direction that trucks go? I don't know. We'll find out. There's always some some fun uh, discussions to have at the Cars and Coffee, so I'm sure this weekend's Cars and Coffee around the country will be filled <laughs> with a lot of talk. You know, either way, I'm Elon sure. got what he wanted. Yeah, he, he was masterful. He, uh, in a way, he was at the uh, LA Auto Show but he didn't even have to be there uh, yeah. and got, got more exposure than probably anybody. Of course, it comes on the tails of the uh, the Mustang E, uh, Mach-E, which, of mm-hmm. course, has raised a lot of eyebrows, too. So. Also polarizing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah. that makes fun cars fun. So there it you is. go. <laughs> it is. Do you have a seller's remorse story, a car you've owned that you've let go that you wish you still had? My seller's remorse uh, happened in McPherson. I... Uh, you know, I was browsing on Craigslist. I found this gold 1977 LTD, a huge boat, um, but that's what I really like are huge boats. And, <laughs> the Malays uh, cars. <laughs> oh, the Malays cars. And uh, I had an aunt that had one. I always sort of had fond memories of them. And and so went down, looked at it. A friend of mine helped me lug it back. It was a pretty nice original car, super faded, but I didn't care. I loved it. We got it running. The vinyl top was pretty crusty. So while I was in trim class, one of the projects that I did was I I put a new uh, vinyl top on it. It was really the first car that I ever did any sort of paint correction or polishing on that had always sort of intimidated me. But I thought, you know, I've got this $600 car that was a Craigslist find. You know, what's the worst that could happen? And so I bought a an Orville polisher and some product and really brought it back and um, I think it sort of was the first car that I really felt like I had done pretty much all the work to myself. And, 
you know, really turned it into a nice looking car. And uh, I had it for about six or eight months and I, I actually sold it to buy a second Edsel. So I didn't have it for very long, but it's it was a fun car to, to drive and I would really love to have it back someday. Yeah, there you go. An interesting period of time, the 70s in cars and oh, absolutely. Uh, the links of the hoods and the fenders. Oh my gosh, yeah. There's a lot of paint there to work on. just a floaty ride and, you yeah. know, they were so pillowy and just a good way really... to say it. <laughs> pillowy. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of the first time I rode in a Citroen. Very pillowy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. For those of you who've ever ridden or driven a Citroen, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, a shout out to one of my early guests. Kenji Yoshino, who lives up here in the Northwest, who sells Citroen parts. Uh, he's the one that's given me, in fact, the only time I've ever ridden a one were in cars that uh, he had. And I just went, man, this is, this is a pillowy car, cushy car. It's like being on a cloud. Well, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about mid-century motors and restoration. This business you have, all the different things that you're doing, what, you're, what has you excited and fired up about this new year coming up on us very quickly here. Can't believe it's going to be 2020. I think for the last probably year, I've sort of presented Mid-Century Motors as a side business because I was working um, another full-time job post-SMS. And so Mid-Century Motors was really just something that I was sort of doing on the side. And about two months ago, I was fortunate enough to be able to leave my full-time job and make Mid-Century Motors my full-time job. And so that's been really nice to sort of bring back some of those those principles that I learned in some of my business classes at McPherson and, and apply them, but also really take my business from just being that, you know, oh, I'm doing this on the side to, you know, really being a fully, uh, what I would consider a fully integrated uh, full-time business and uh, just being able to concentrate on that and, you know, make those connections. And um, I've got some some customers that have been really fortunate enough to let me, uh, or I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to work on, on some great cars and, and people that have been kind enough to let me, let me work on them. You know, it's gotten me a, a, you know, some good, some good business and some good opportunities for learning. And I'm excited about being able to continue that trajectory through next year and really feeling like I've moved into no longer having it as a side business. What are a couple tips you might offer a listener out there that's doing a side hustle? And I love this whole concept. You know, if you want to do something different in your life, unless you've got funds, you've got a lot of money saved up or family trust or whatever, wherever your money comes from, where you can actually quit work and not worry about making money for a while. Most people can't. So they have to create a runway for themselves and be prepared or do that side hustle instead of going to a football game, to parties and so forth. When you get home from your day job, you work on your your side hustle. So what are a couple of tips you might offer to some people that are trying to figure out how to make that leap that you've made, uh, that you've discovered helped you uh, decide that was the right time to do it? Um, I think first and foremost, I would say have patience and just know that, you know, every project that you take on, even though even though at the time it may feel like another obligation or something else that's taking you away from your friends or your family or significant other, that it's not necessarily permanent. So just have some patience and know that, you know, as you continue to work through projects, obviously word of mouth is is really the best, you know, the best form of advertising. And so as you get, I think, projects turned around, 
you know, hopefully that leads to another set of projects and another and they continue to build. I think surrounding yourself by people that are supportive and and can sort of be a little bit of a cheerleader for you. Um, it's really easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day and feel like you have no free time or you are having to give up precious opportunities with, with family or friends. You know, and I think surrounding yourself with people that are supportive and understand what you're going through and what you're doing, and also hopefully, you know, help kind of, you know, root for you and let you know that that they're behind you. And, you know, that's the other thing that I think made a huge difference for me is, you know, all those times that I second guessed myself, right? And not that I still don't, you know, every time I start to think like, oh man, what am I doing? You know, did I make the right move? Is this something I can really do? Just having someone that can sort of be the other voice on your shoulder saying, you know, you can do this, you've got this, you know, don't let it get you down. So those are things that I feel like I try to take with me and remember me, you know, remember uh, throughout the day, you know, that has really helped me. Great advice. Jason, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 you take care of your cars but who takes care of your investments tune-ups aren't just for engines updating your financial plan is important too your gps may take you from a to b but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom for that you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor chris kimball cfp is just the man for the job he'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Jason, we're back, and I'm going to get into your mind a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and parked in your shop was you, manifested as a vehicle, what would Jason be and why? Um, I thought about this for for a little bit, and, and the thing that sort of kept coming to mind was I would probably... I would probably be an Edsel if if I were manifested as a car. And I, I say that because on the surface, I think Edsels have this sort of awkward, you know, maybe doesn't always fit in, feeling a little bit like an outcast. 
And, you know, certainly I've spent a lot of time just growing up and even as an adult sometimes feeling like that. And I think a lot of people that are young and they're, they're into cars also feel a little bit like that. You know, their friends are maybe not car people. And so you sort of feel like you're out there a little bit by yourself. You know, you sort of peel back the layers, you, you know, you find out a little bit more information becomes more and more interesting or, you know, kind of discover, you know, where you maybe best fit in. And, and, you know, I feel like that's probably pretty spot on with, with the path that I've been on and just, you know, even thinking back to when I was a kid growing up. And I think an Edsel probably is a lot like that. I think so. I want to jump into what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Edsel throttle in the way you answer these questions. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best automotive advice I've received is that the classic car restoration industry is pretty small. And they talked about that my first class in McPherson, and I, it, it absolutely is. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's small, so don't burn any bridges. Uh, treat your right. customers really well uh, because they talk. And now with social media, they talk loudly, and it can mm-hmm. harm you if you screw up. So don't they screw can. up. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes over the years? Um, I think approaching each project and each customer's car that I work on as though it were my own, and that's mm-hmm. being careful, being cautious, thinking about it in terms of what would I do or what would I, how would I want this to be handled if it, if it were my car, you know, has really helped helped me. And and I think my customers really appreciate that. You know, back when I was a kid, I detailed cars. And I remember a lady had a Rolls-Royce Corniche when they first came out. This would be 1975, six, something like that. And I usually would go pick a car up, take it back to my house, detail it and return it. And I remember getting in this car and she looked at me, she was an elderly lady. And she said, young man, this is a very special car for me. Treat it as if it was your own. And I'll never forget that because I drove so slow going home in that car. I think that car was worth more than the house that I was living in. So, yeah, my mom freaked out when I pulled up. She went, oh, my gosh, I can't believe she let you drive this car home. Oh, but I oh, felt wow. like a king driving that thing, you know. I put, oh. the, top, put the top down, and it was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, uh, I hadn't driven a Rolls Royce up until maybe about seven years ago. I got loaned one for the weekend by a local dealer and uh, spent the whole weekend driving all my neighbors around, uh, of course, with the great <laughs> Poupon jokes and so forth. Oh, yeah. That thing barely fit in my garage. It was so big. It was huge. <laughs> yeah. But I tell you, you feel pretty good driving a Rolls Royce. I don't think it's I, a car I'd like to I'm have, sure. but yeah, you feel pretty special. How about a resource? Is there one out there that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Um, I think for um, upholstery uh, work and and that particular side of the restoration industry, the Hog Ring, um, I think, is an amazing resource. They've got a tremendous amount of blogs and tips and photos and people post projects that they've done. So you get a lot of inspiration. Um, If you're looking to make a job change, they've got a great jobs board. And it's really a nice, I think, a nice catch-all for the upholstery side of, of automotive restoration and, and whether you're working on new stuff or classic stuff, it's a really great resource to check out that really has a lot of, of very helpful information. Yeah. And if you've ever restored an old car, you know exactly what a hog ring is. If you haven't, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? For me, that would hands down be Virgil Exner. I feel like he created some of the most interesting and stunning 
definitely most beautiful cars of the 50s. I think that even his early 60s work was really interesting. And, and even if you look at it as being sort of unusual, you know, I think he was really a brilliant designer and really did a lot of amazing, amazing stuff at Chrysler. I don't think there's a car that he uh, introduced that I don't absolutely think is is just one of the best looking cars of its time there you go yeah i don't hear his name very often here at cars yet i'm kind of surprised by that but he did some very very cool things how about a book is there a book you've read you'd like to share yeah there's a book called disaster in dearborn and it's it's about the edsel and it's by a gentleman named thomas e bonzel it really goes through the entire spectrum from from when the car was developed how it was developed how it was named all the way through the day the last car came off the assembly line and and really gives a, a great backstory as to why things sort of fell the way that they did and why the car looked the way that it did. And um, it's a nice, easy to read book that really, really gives a, a nice detailed account of what happened. Disaster in Dearborn. What a title. All right. We're up to the checkered flag, Jason. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today. No matter what it is, where it is, whoever owns it, I'm going to park it in your garage. But you have to go by my rules here. And one of them is you can't sell it to uh, fund your business or buy a bunch of new equipment or a bigger shop. You have to drive it. No garage queens. And it's the only cool electric car you can have, which means you got to get rid of your current Etzel. This is the only one collector car. So what's it going to be? Uh, for me, it would have to be a Tucker. I think Tuckers are are one of again one of the most interesting cars that were ever produced it was a really short run that came to an end all too quickly they were very advanced for their time they're very attractive very good looking cars and and again really one heck of a story that go with them so yeah. hands down probably <laughs> one of the most interesting cars ever made yeah well you know rob ida who restores those cars so wonderfully has been a guest on this show i'll give him a call we can find you one even if it's rough, he can uh, bring it back. I know you could probably do the same thing, but uh, Rob's been doing this for a while. Um, he, if you missed my talk with him, you can go back and find it on the Carja website under the Resources tab or the Search tab. Jason, you've taken me on a great ride today. This has been fun, uh, enjoying what you do. Thank you for sharing your journey. Would you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you ride, drive off into the sunset in that Tucker? You know, don't be afraid to learn um, is probably the best the best piece of advice I can give. I went back to school um, in my early 30s, and I, I thought, I've never done some of this stuff before. I've never welded. I've never painted. I've never sewed a seat cover. I've never put a vinyl top on. You know, I went back, and I, and I thought, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I'm going to fit in. There's going to be a lot of people that are younger than me. Just learning every day and not being afraid of that and and knowing that that even if you, you know, even if it didn't turn out maybe the way that you'd hoped or even if even if you had to go back and rework some things, you can be proud of what you did and and be proud of of what you accomplished and not being afraid to step out and and do some of those things. Absolutely. It is never too you are never too old to learn a new trick. Uh, remember, I think Colonel Sanders started his little chicken business in his 60s. So uh, yeah, if you want to do something new, go do it for goodness sake. Life is short. Explore, discover, and take Jason's advice. And if you want to learn more about his business, you'll find him on the web at mcmotorsandrestoration.com. Are there any other 
great ways for people to follow along with your business? There is. I do a lot of postings to Instagram, um, and that's MC underscore motors. You know, anytime I'm working on a project and I try to post photos throughout the project and, and after the project and even just share experiences or, or little car-related trips that I've been able to do and the, probably the, the other best place to find me. There you go. I'll make sure I put links to those on his show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Jason, thanks for calling in today. Thanks for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and sharing your life with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay, sounds great, Mark. Thank you. And for those listening to the show for the first time, it's Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!